Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. This is Figure of Speech, a podcast dedicated to the impact of forensics. Episode three, Patrick Kim. Patrick, welcome in. Nice to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Patrick, this is your, uh, your podcast virginity being lost right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we should mention that uh, Patrick is a, uh, is a high schooler. He's a national uh, middle school finalist for impromptu and extemp, top 40 in international extemp in high school. Spent a lot of impromptu and extemp, and, um, and you've been my student for a number of years, and uh, we still kind of tangle every once in a while in the classroom, yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get to know you a little bit better, and uh, I want to know a little bit more about your experiences within speech. How did you get started with speech? Um, so I decided to come to Robert's class and to kind of pursue speech You can speech talk to debate. me. You don't have to talk to a fictitious person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I, like, gave a presentation in seventh grade, mm-hmm. and it was really bad. And I remember looking down at my foot, like, in the middle of a presentation, and mm-hmm. then my leg was, like uncontrollably shaking and it was really weird and I couldn't control it so I wanted to like do something to fix that so that's like kind of <laughs> why you I tied it to a chair and then the chair started rattling no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> so what did you said to your mom I need some classes on this or what I mean that's basically what I said and then they did some research and then found Robert Cannon um, and then after like that intro class I ended up really liking speech and debate mm-hmm. and I don't know why but <laughs> <laughs> I like but, to blame a good teacher you know. yeah such a great teacher thanks bud <laughs> so um, you yeah. wind up liking it you wind up hanging around and I think we got you hooked into doing tournaments what was your first tournament what was it like um it was an impromptu and I did impromptu kind of because I didn't want to memorize the speech mm-hmm. but also I kind of liked the spontaneity of it uh and then the tournament was like i met a lot of cool people i think that's like my biggest memory from it and like and like because i met so many cool people i kind of wanted to continue Mm. but also i think i got to the top 12 of the tournament and i was like really excited was it a big tournament it was just a league local tournament so it was not big at all but it's pretty fun but you made it (laughs) to the top 12 so there must have been hopefully at least 13 people competing (laughs) i I'm not sure, <laughs> um, but it was it was just a league tournament, but yeah. And so talking. how did it proceed from there? You know, you started doing uh, obviously more local tournaments and you went to nat- nationals for middle school. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, that, w- that year was kind of like a whirlwind year because mm-hmm. like I definitely started out like as a novice and it was my first year competing, but uh, I kind of just kept practicing like throughout that year because like I found it fun and I could feel myself improving speak in speech and debate. Uh, and I just kept competing and it got from like league tournaments to like bigger tournaments to the state tournament and then eventually nationals that year. How did you handle any sort of rejection that you might've had? Um, I mean, there were definitely rounds that I dropped and like judges ballots that frustrated me, I guess throughout that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember just like, getting feedback and like feeling bad for a little bit but then just like continuing like the next day to practice and like take that feedback a little bit Mm -hmm. um and i had never gone through that process before but it worked out for me (laughs) do you do you find that that process of like constructive feedback where they're giving you notes on a speech that you've 
kind of labored over. I mean, even impromptu, a lot of people think you yeah. can just kind of whip it up out of nowhere. But of course, we know that's not the case. Do you find that um, that process has affected you in other parts of your life outside of just speech? Being yeah. able to take that constructive criticism? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean it's kind of a, a t-ball question, but I'm just curious how it's impacted you. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, speech and debate is kind of based on like getting ballots, taking that feedback and improving. Um, and like, I guess like I haven't seen it directly, but I'm sure like it's improved my mindset of like when I'm faced with failure or some kind of like some kind of rejection mm -hmm. in a way, like I've learned to take that and to kind of use it as like a vehicle for improving myself, I guess. How so? Give me a story. Give me an example. Um, Come on, you're an impromptu speaker. <laughs> uh, impromptu. The best impromptu speeches are prepped well in advance. Yeah. Um, Hopefully not canned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the silence <laughs> on your part. So, I mean, give me an example of how has that impacted you of just being able to, to be okay with constructive feedback? Um, I mean, I guess like in classes when... I guess in classes when you don't understand a concept. So like I had a lot of trouble with chemistry and I hate chemistry. Um, but I mean like not getting a concept is really, really frustrating, but I had already had a lot of experiences where like, oh, I'm making too many gestures or something like that in speech and debate. Mm -hmm. So, and I just really don't know how to control my body, but kind of persisting through that helped me like find a mindset for just like other subjects and other classes as well. I think, mm. I mean, I think like that connection was really strong. And I think building those skills in speech and debate, like really did help me in things like classes and like other pursuits. You're a high school senior now. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, uh, you know, I I'm 40 years old now. and <laughs> You're old. I know. <laughs> but my experience with speech has changed so much over the years. You know, obviously I started when I was in high school. And I'm curious how your relationship with speech and I guess using that as like um, uh, an exemplar of what what high school speech is like today, uh, and that's kind of why, why I wanted to bring you in on this podcast is I wanted to understand what your relationship is and and how uh, speech people I guess are different from like the normals of your high school and, mm -hmm. and what it what it's like at a speech tournament a high school speech tournament from a competitor standpoint. Yeah, I mean. Like, again, I joined Speech and Debate looking just to be better at speaking. And I think, like, a lot of people do join Speech and Debate to do that. But I think when you join Speech and Debate, you also join a community of people who are, like, really aware about the world. So, like, literally every event kind of pushes you to learn more about, like, society and politics or, like, whatever you're interested in. And kind of being in a competitive but also supportive environment like that. Uh, especially in high school, like you can literally go up to anyone at a tournament and kind of like talk to them about their round, but also talk to them about broader issues, I think. Have you done that? Have you just walked up to a yes, stranger and been I like, have. I want to talk to you about your round? Well, like there's, okay, because speech and debate tournaments are very well run, right? Um, <laughs> <Is> that sarcasm? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, like when judges are late or whatever, like conversations have sparked where I just like, talk with someone about how their last round was but then that branches out into like i don't know a conversation about politics and donald trump or like whatever um and i think that's 
like a really cool thing about speech and debate that I can literally have a conversation with anyone. And how does that differ from people that you just interact with at your high school that don't do speech? Um, at like just regular people who don't do speech and debate, like they don't necessarily have that broader understanding about the world, I think. Um, and I mean, of course you can get that through different means, but I think speech and debate really pushes people to have an understanding of the world. Um, and it pushes people to have like some kind of perspective on important issues. Uh, and I think that isn't necessarily present in just the regular population. Mm. Can you think of examples like that? I mean, where do, where do you see that with some of your friends and your relationships with them? Um, well, my friend... Do you look down at them? You're like, aha, you peasants, you don't know, you don't know crap about politics. Okay, I was in class and someone mentioned Mike Pence and my friend was like, who's that? And that was really like <laughs> cringy. Yeah. Um, Who is that? I think was he's he a vice president oh. or something. Yeah. Oh, vice president of NSDA? Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, what did you, in that moment, what did you say? Were you like, hey, you dumbass, this is the vice president of the United States? Or uh, did you backhand him? Or no, what, what I started you? naming other pol- politicians and saying like, oh, who is this? And saying like, who was our last president? And thankfully she knew it was Obama. Mm-hmm. But uh, like she had a hard time naming Joe Biden and it was kind of disappointing. But like in speech and debate, everyone kind of has that awareness, but also an opinion about it. And that's really, really captivating. Hmm. Do you, as you see a lot of the uh, high school speeches, and, and we, we should note that you compete mainly in Southern California. Do you find that there is a, a type of speech that a lot of people do? Is there a topic that a lot of people are running a, a lot? What, do you, what kind of examples do you see of speeches? Um, well, so I compete mainly in extemp and impromptu so i guess politically most people are liberal but um i mean i think speech and debate in general is pretty liberal mm-hmm. especially in high school um Can, do you see very many right-leaning speeches like someone who is in support of trump vocally okay definitely not trump but i mean there are some moderate slash slightly conservative people uh like that i compete with in my league and do you think that it might be a situation where people do support him privately but don't want to admit it in front of judges? I'm curious how the, the um, political nature of the judges would kind of <laughs> kind of make yeah. you lean to say one thing in order to win versus what you might actually believe. I think, like, some people... Actually, I'm not sure about Donald Trump because he's such a like extreme case, I guess, but... Um, there are definitely people who come off more liberal than they actually are during speeches mm. because, like, I've had conversations in private with them. Um, but I think, like, judges are definitely, like, definitely lean liberal mm. in Southern California. And so that pushes people to, I guess, give liberal speeches. Um, but, I, I mean, at the same time, like, those beliefs do show in round. And I think, like, speech and debate does give a platform to share those kinds of of opinion of opinions. Um, and I don't think it's I don't think judges like completely transform people's messages and mm. stuff. W- during the the Bush administration, <laughs> that's how old Who's I am. Who's Bush? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it, there was a lot of hatred towards Bush during his administration, and um, that was when MoveOn.org got really big. And I remember working on a few uh, MoveOn.org. Uh, videos they were trying to make viral videos and like I guess you could call them commercials I guess 
but I remember working with this um, this pair of directors, and you know, Move On was very liberal, very left leaning, and I found out that one of the directors was privately Republican. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you cannot tell anyone because like that was his job, you know, and he was mm-hmm. like. I just I don't believe in the shit that I'm putting out there, but I gotta get a payday, and I always thought that was uh, that was really interesting, like that, that kind of approach. Um, but anyway, I, I'm curious what you think about the content of what people are saying in a lot of the speeches uh, that you go to. Do you find that they're uh, do you find that the speeches tend to repeat themselves in terms of uh, the the thesis and the point of a lot of the speeches, or is it is it a wide variety of different topics and your mind is blown on a on a daily basis or what? I mean, I think. There's some speeches that do get repeated, so impromptu, like, oh, perseverance is good. Um, I don't know, like, positive mindset is good. Like, those kinds of speeches definitely do get repeated, but I think... Do you flip that and go, like, perseverance is actually pretty bad? Oh, yes. That's the classic impromptu flip. (laughs) Um, But I think, like, people approach those topics in different ways, and also there's a lot of unique topics out there. Um, So, I mean, I think, like, those like cliche speeches definitely do exist, but I think people take it in different ways and stuff like that. What's some of the name one of the best speeches that you've given from that you remember giving from your middle school time? Middle school time. Yeah, your, your time in middle school speech debate. Um, can you remember anything? <laughs> uh, let me just put it this way: you can take best or worst. Give me like worst i remember worst oh give me that that sounds even okay better. so paint the scene for me it was like my second impromptu speech and it was definitely it was like a practice round um no wait when you say practice you mean here at the academy yeah We're recording at the academy right yeah, now. it was like it was in front of robert okay and robert was watching and i think filming um and i got up I'll there to see if i can dig out some of that video <laughs> please don't um and the question was like pretty simple in hindsight it wasn't that hard uh, but I got up there, my intro was pretty smooth, and then I got to my first point, and I got to my first source, and I said, according to, and I stopped for like two minutes, mm-hmm. and I was just silent and like flailing my arms, and Robert just made eye contact with me and just stared right at my eyes, um, and I, I mean like, I kind of got through it eventually, like after two minutes, he kind of realized that <laughs> he's not going to stop. Uh, and so I just like got through it and finished the speech. Yeah, I don't stop speeches when people finish <laughs> up. No, that's your time. We're yeah, going. it was terrible. Um, but I mean, I continued with extemp, so it kind of worked out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. you know, I find that extemp, extemp impromptu and debate, I have more students that cry in those <laughs> events than anything else. And I understand it. I think it's you know, your brain and your mouth just aren't communicating. It's like your brain is thinking thoughts and your mouth is going, I can't say that. And it's, it, it's a yeah. disconnect somewhere along the way. Well, what about uh, what about high school? Name one of the, the better or worst speeches you've given in high school. Do you think of anything nice that you've, you've done? Like, have you ever really yeah, nailed it? I mean, I, I think in high school, like, I learned to focus less on necessarily, like, the quality and the nitpickiness of a speech Mm -hmm. and more on like the general message of it. Um, And I think focusing on the message and instead, like instead of focusing on like the rank that a speech might get, um, being confident that a speech will do well and then just focusing on the message and actually like focusing on the analysis and stuff, um, that helped me give better speeches. And I 
like just this past weekend, um, I was at the Jack Howe Invitational in Long Beach, and my final round of speech was on the United States and how they can respond to the North and South Korea conflict. Mm-hmm. And I mean, um, like this, the words that I was saying and like the ideas that I was sharing was important to me, but also like I, I think I communicated it in a way that was like really impactful and like people don't look at international issues as um, like important and people look at domestic issues more but I think like through that speech I was able to kind of share like the idea and the importance of that conflict um, not only to like Asia as a whole but also people in North Korea or in South Korea that like have been separated or like are suffering a humanitarian crisis so I think like generally throughout high school I've like found the ability to kind of focus on the ideas more than uh, just the quality of the speech, I think. What advice would you give to people that are doing international extemp in a way that's different from doing national extemp? Like what, what are the differences and, and how would you advise somebody who's coming into international? So coming into extemp, I definitely prefer domestic because like just because I had only read domestic news, I think like, mm. um, like major conflicts um like abroad were clear to me but like if i got a question about like i don't know like kenya or like africa like i would not be able to answer it um so i would definitely prioritize like kind of getting knowledgeable about international issues um like how do you go about doing that um well there's sources that specifically focus on international issues like what so like al jazeera um there's some great Africa sources with the Brookings Institute um, and just reading foreign news stories, even if they're from domestic sources, like starting out with those and kind of getting a sense of like how international politics works and just broad trends in international uh, like current news and stuff. I think that's one of the most important things you can do. And then... So how is that different from national extent? I mean, obviously the sources are different, but is there an approach that's any different to international extent versus national? Um, you also have to realize that when you get a national extent question, you usually have the judges have some context over that issue. But often in international news, people don't know about uh, international news. And their bias is that like, they really don't know anything. Um, but then in domestic news, they might have some kind of like bias or opinion on the issue. So I think like coming in like that forces you to explain issues just to regular people and not mm-hmm. like use fancy jargon and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, coming in to a domestic extent speech, you kind of realize that people like kind of know about the issue. Uh, but for international extent, you definitely have to come in like, yeah. My judge knows nothing about this. A high school is unique in that they divide extemp into those two categories of being, well, I, I'd say this really at the national level, mm-hmm. right, in SDA. I'm not sure how many local tournaments really do this, maybe some and, and maybe some big invitationals. Yeah, the states, um, the, like California State and nationals does this and like a few states do it, but 
usually local, and most of the invitationals just combine it into one. And it should be mentioned, too, that both middle school and high school combine it into just XTEM. Mm -hmm. Do you see any benefit of separating it out into those two categories of, of national and international, or do you actually prefer that it all be combined together into one unified um, event? So I'm primarily an international extemper, but I actually do appreciate when it's combined. Like, mm. I hate being in just domestic extemp, but... When it's combined, it's really like, you kind of have to know like how to approach topics. Um, so I actually prefer when it's combined. So when it's like middle school or college, um, but I would say like when it's divided, it just gives people the opportunity to focus on like one perspective on extemp. So I guess that's helpful, but I think like the best extempers know how to approach both. Yeah. I know at the, college level, probably about 10 years ago, they added a new um, spin on the event where there was cross-examination at the end of the round. Do they do that in any of the tournaments that you've been to? Is there cross-examination? And if so, is it uh, during the prelims or only the elimination rounds? And how does that work? Have you been cross-examined? Yeah, at some of the big tournaments. So, for example, like the Berkeley Invitational and also the state tournament and the national tournament, usually like the top like 12 people like so semifinals and finals sometimes there will be cross-examination um and i actually really like cross x i think it's kind of holds the speaker accountable for yeah, what they're exactly. saying right you're saying this let's see how much of this is actually what you understand or are you just reading off of yeah off a citation and also when you're doing an extemp speech you sometimes don't have time to like address the other side and address different perspectives and i think when you have a cross x it allows you to explore that other side a little bit more. And like, yes, it allows you, it, it keeps you accountable and like make sure you're not lying and stuff, but it also adds that layer of analysis and that depth of analysis, which I think is important in extent. Have you been on the receiving end of a cross-examination? Yeah, I've been on both the cross x Well, obviously you're gonna give and receive, right? Because they're not gonna just have you get it. <laughs> This is taking a turn for the oddly <laughs> inappropriate. Um, but when you when you were getting cross xed, mm-hmm. cross examined, when that's happening to you, um, well, I guess the first time, how how do you feel? Are you like I don't know if I if I can do this? Is there a nervousness to it? Did did it affect your ranking? Do you think? Um, I think it doesn't affect your ranking that much unless you mess up or you seem uncredible. Mm. Um. I mean, I remember during my state final speech, I was cross-sexed by, like, the person that most ex- that most people expected to be the champion, and she ended up winning. Um, but, like, I had talked to her before the round, and so it was like a... Please take it easy on me. <laughs> That's literally what I did. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Extemp is fun, and it worked out, so... Okay. I'm curious, too, what you think about um, what I see from... A coaching perspective as becoming a new trend in extent is like data dumping where a lot of people are just going to um they're going to like different programs that will just pull down rss feeds and just dump all of the uh, all of the research into a big folder for you you just go through and and pull out your files when needed and obviously there's a problem with that i think most people who do extent would probably agree with me that that there's a problem with not understanding what you've pulled down. And then when you get a more detailed, nuanced question, you're not intellectually prepared to answer that. 
do you find that that's a, a real problem within the the high school uh, tournaments that you've been to, or are most people still doing most of their in-depth research? I mean, when you're starting out in extempore impromptu, you're a lot of people are attracted to the events because it seems like you don't have to do any prep for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, in actuality, you do. Um, and I think like those RSS pull-down feeds, I think they're very useful. Um, if you want to focus on like giving better speeches and like practicing your speaking style and improving your analysis, uh, then I think like those programs can actually be really beneficial because it uh, like doesn't take away time from like focusing on your speech and like does all your research for you. But I think like in addition to that feed, I think you really, really do need to do your own research and understand the issues because like, yes, you can try to understand a complex issue in five minutes but it's like (laughs) but good luck yeah um but also something interesting is in high school they're uh considering like removing the no internet requirement and like actually implementing internet during tournaments um so i mean it could remove the need for rss feeds and like just generally filing in general Mm. um but i think the need for reading and understanding the news and understanding current events like still stands. That seems like that's something that will shake out as the as the event unfolds. You know, as as you start mm-hmm. to see people in final round, if you don't know what you're talking about, it's unlikely that you're going to make it to the final round. Um, but I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that about the changing rules on internet usage. You know, uh, college did it, and now uh, most middle school tournaments are doing that. Oh. Even though I think the nationals, you know, which is still controlled by NSDA and NSDA. Um, has made that their high school rule, so they're not going to change it from middle school. But it's weird that high school is kind of the last one to, to change. It's still kind of holding on to these like these ideas from 1984, and they're not letting go. Like, oh, no, you need to cut your cards. It's like nobody <laughs> does that anymore. They're not bringing these giant tubs. Uh, and, and I think just the way we research in general has changed. Yeah. Like you depend on the Internet um, as opposed to as opposed to what you've stored on your computer. You, mm-hmm. I mean, just... If you were a researcher getting your grad degree or something like that, you would be dependent on having access to the internet as you're doing your research. So why should this be any different? You should have access to the tools. Obviously, you shouldn't be communicating with outside sources, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, if if it's something that's already been pre-written and published on the internet, I don't know. I feel like that's something that we should have access to. Um, One last kind of supporting what what you were talking about before. I don't know if you remember this. It might have been after your time but there was some kid in middle school who was doing extemp and he had downloaded all of wikipedia to an external hard drive (laughs) and he was like i got it (laughs) and of course he did not break and you know it's kind of like i use that as a a, an example all the time to my students of like yeah "Yeah, you can have all the information there but if you don't understand it your chances of winning are are diminished severely yeah and the kid had I got all of Wikipedia downloaded. <laughs> all right, there you go, kid. So I don't know. I think about that quite a bit. Do you um, have you heard any horror stories about people who have depended too much on their RSS feeds instead of like prepping things? Um, I think when you're like taught to read the news and like you do extend for a while, I think even I mean like I use an RSS feed, so and a lot of my friends who do extend do use RSS feeds. It's just that 
like you're taught to also understand what you're reading and what you're downloading from the internet. So I actually haven't heard any horror stories yet, but I'm sure there have been. Yeah, they're coming. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure like people have just downloaded like a program and said like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> yes. When I was, when I first started competing in college, we had a couple of coaches who, uh, they were very sweet, very supportive, but they did not know how to coach entirely. <laughs> and they, I remember specifically, they sent a few people into an extent uh, college tournament with like four time magazines. It was like, there you go. <laughs> wow. Perfect. <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> just going in going, <laughs> Well, whatever question you ask me better be covered by time. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm screwed. <laughs> oh, man. So um, uh, let's talk a little bit more about other events besides Extent, besides Impromptu. You've done a little bit of OO before. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So and OO is kind of a persuasive bent on, uh, I mean, it really could be anything, right? It could be informative. It could be persuasive. It could be a speech. Uh, it could be a eulogy if you want. But I think most people typically do persuasive speeches. Right. And... What, what other events have you done besides that? Um, I've also done OI, or Declamation. Uh-huh. Um, and I've also, which is what? Which is an event that you take a speech that's already been delivered by someone, uh, and you do your own interpretation of it. So, like, I have a dream, or yes. that's what you're doing, right? <laughs> um, you usually take... <laughs> I mean, okay, so those are, like, the two most famous, famous speeches of all time, but... Typically, you want to find a speech that, like, isn't as famous, and you want to, like, interpret it to be your own. Mm. Um, but I've also done congressional debate, which kind of stimulate, simulates <laughs> um, the U.S. Or stimulates, I don't know. Stimulates, too. Um, but it kind of simulates the U.S. Congress, and you debate legislation and political issues and stuff like that. And I also did try debate in ninth grade. How'd uh, that go? I mean, it was fun. Was it and public I, forum or policy? It was or? parley. Parley. Um, and I liked it because of like the extent format kind of uh. where you had to prep for it. Um, and was it was that fun. Two person parley or three person parley? It was the two person parley. Okay. Um, but that was like super fun. But also, my partner didn't know what Brexit was in a mm. Brexit round, so that was really frustrating. That's fun. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah. So. so you've never tried storytelling or HI or anything like that? Never done a duo. I've never done a duo or an interp. <laughs> Why not? Why, would you ever consider trying that? Um, actually, so I make really weird noises sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, and people tell me that when I like laugh, but like really belly laugh, I laugh really weirdly. Yeah. Um, so people have told me to try HI because what all do you the think? sound effects involved. <laughs> um I might try it at like one tournament. I feel like there's there's a divide between (laughs) people. There's like, I don't know, some some the interpreters look at the plat the not the platform the limited preppers and they're like, I could never do that. And on the other side of the window are the limited preppers (laughs) looking at the interpreters going, I could never do that. Oh my god! And it's really funny and and it's like they meet at platform. It's like. I, I could do a platform, you know? <laughs> uh, and I don't know. I think there's some something to that. Uh, you don't see too many people who really cross over with a whole lot of success. Um, in my last episode, we, we spoke to AJ Moorhead, and he did. He is one of the few people I know who has had tremendous success at, um, at, at being able to basically do any event you throw at him. 
but most people I think typically stick in one kind of pool and mm-hmm. maybe dabble in some of the others. Yeah. But I think that's kind of the fun part is trying trying new events. Yeah. Get a story to, storytelling together or something like that. I try one maybe. Yeah. Like at one tournament. At one tournament. <laughs> and what if you win? Uh, then I have to like rethink my life choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, I, here's the thing. Uh, towards the end of the podcast, I always ask the guest uh, a series of questions. These are kind of survey questions like, uh, like Proust or uh, James Lipton or somebody like that might ask. And so these are 10 questions that I would ask anybody uh, that comes on the show. So I've got these 10 questions, survey questions for you. Number one, I call this the final round, right? So dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I need some fun music yes. in here, don't I? <laughs> Number one, are you superstitious in relation to competition, obviously? I knock on wood, and that's probably the extent of superstition. So when you say something, you know, that's like, oh, man, I, I might break, and then you'll knock on wood after, right after that? Yes, I do that uh, all the time. All the time? <laughs> In fact, like, when there's no wood around, I just knock on my head. But, yeah. <laughs> do you do anything funny, like, during breaks? Like, if they post the breaks, do you, like, oh, man, I got to go? Uh, um, I, when I, when I do check breaks, I make it, like, I make sure not to react. I don't know if that's superstitious, but I do that. (laughs) The tear just kind of squeezes out of your (laughs) eye and drips down to the side. Um, What does it bother you when people overreact? I mean, I've never felt bad because someone else is broken and I haven't, but I mean, I think there could be someone who would feel bad or yeah. I mean, I think it's just like important to, like be respectful to people, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> so I like, uh, I don't know, at the college level, especially at nationals, you know, had the big scrolls that come down mm-hmm. and, and everybody kind of applauds. You know, it's a very like congratulations yeah. and thank you. It's very like, it's nice. And then you get to some of the middle school terms. I love middle school, but people are screaming and they're like, ah! and like, you know, sobbing. And it's just so emotional. Even some of the elementary tournaments are just, you can see what everyone's feeling from mm-hmm. the postings right then. I mean, at high school nationals, like they often do a drop down too and mm-hmm. a lot of invitationals and stuff. And when it's like literally nationals and it's like the national final round, like, okay, please like freak out, scream. Um, but I think like at local tournaments, like you can bring it down a little bit. <laughs> Maybe everybody doesn't have the national, uh, national approach quite yet. <laughs> All right, question number two. Who is the competitor you most admired? Whoa. <laughs> um, Are you high right now? <laughs> you sound, <laughs> sounded like you just took a... <laughs> That's such a, a hard a, question. a long drag off a blunt or something. <laughs> um, I'm is that a tough sure. question? It is a tough question. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, you know, just quickly go through all the competitors you've ever seen in your entire <laughs> life and uh, select one. Um, I remember watching, like, YouTube videos of Extempers, mm-hmm. like, their final rounds. Um, and I think Lily Nelson is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? She was, like, incredibly articulate. Um, but I think she, like, broke down issues to, like, just, like, real talk. And I think that was... A really awesome thing she did and that's kind of what i try to do in my speeches have you met her before 
Nope. <laughs> and the only way you've seen her is just through YouTube. Yeah. That's so fascinating that the that YouTube has really started to change the game of speech and debate. Uh, you know, a lot of my students have I've seen them gain uh, knowledge faster just by watching examples that are up on YouTube. And for the longest time, people wouldn't put anything up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean. I remember posting a lot of my speeches and being like, it was a ghost town. Like, nobody else was posting their speeches. And finally, there was people like, okay, let's start putting some of this on YouTube. And now there's this, like, cross-generational appreciation of other competitors who came before you. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot to that. There's a lot to be explored with some of that. Okay, question number three. This might give you a little bit of trouble because uh, question two gave you some trouble. <laughs> Number three, what's the most memorable speech you've seen? What's the one that sticks out in your mind? Um, <laughs> these are hard questions. Are these hard? I think they're hard. Oh. Maybe not. Um, Doesn't necessarily have to be the most. What's, what's a most? What, what comes to mind as soon as I say memorable speech? You think what? Um, so, I mean, as an extemper and an impromptuer, I think interp is really impressive, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't remember it exactly, but there was like a DI and it was of out of my mind, mm-hmm. um, like a few years ago and it was in high school. Um, and it was like, it was so emotional, but I think it was like, I think because it was so emotional and it really connected with me, it was the first time, like, maybe not the first time, but it was one of the moments where I was like, oh, wow, speech and debate can really connect with people. Mm. So I think, yeah. I mean, like, a lot of really good interp speeches really connect with me because... So what was it about? It was Okay, so it was about um, a kid who had um, a disability, I think, cerebral palsy, um, and when she entered high school, she was like kind of lost, but then she joined the academic decathlon team. Uh, and then she was like really happy because she found it like her own community and she didn't really let her disability define her. Um, but then her team didn't want her to go to nationals with her or with them because like because of her disability. And so they basically left without her. Um, and it was this like really emotional story about like that. that sounds off. Meet us on the football field at three a.m. Sprinklers are going off. Why am I here? <laughs> that sounds wow. cool. Why yeah. would you just ditch part of your decathlon <laughs> team? Yeah, I was really sad. <laughs> All right, question number four. How do you explain forensics to someone who's unfamiliar with it? Um, so I explain speech and debate as kind of like track and field where – there's a lot of different events in track and field. So there's shot put, there's like the 100 meter, the 50 meter. Um, so that's similar to how speech and debate has a lot of events. Uh, but like the broader community of all the events, like as a collection is speech and debate and forensics. Hmm. Um, and I think like when people look at speech and debate, they just look at, or they just imagine like two people standing and like debating each other. But I think explaining it like track and field kind of like, like gives insight on like the variety of events that there are and right. how it's just it's not just debate or it's not just two people screaming at each other but it's like a lot of different kinds of 
events in a lot of variety. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Like when you say debate, people think yeah. you're screaming at each other. And it's, no, it's not quite like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, question number five. What was your most unusual inspiration for a speech? <laughs> um, okay. I don't know if this is unusual. Like maybe people do well, this. What do you but think? It's a, in, unusual is only I don't a, think, uh, I think this a qualification is for you. So, I mean, in middle school or in high school too, I practiced speeches in the shower. And I think I, like every year I gave a practice speech on shampoo because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a word. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's so you give a lot of shampoo speeches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually say that's uninspired, but go ahead. That's fine. That's pretty weird, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty unusual. I'll give that to you. Question number six. Has a speech ever caused you to change? Um, yes. I mean, like the speech I mentioned earlier about like pausing for two minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like messing up like that trains you to be like, hey, just like when you mess up, keep going. So it like it makes your speech better, I guess. So it changes you and like I've been changed in that aspect uh but also i think i've i've given speeches on things i don't know anything about mm -hmm. and those speeches like kind of force me to look into those issues and like be more knowledgeable in that field um and that's made me a more aware person so yeah speeches have has someone else's changed. speech ever caused you to change um i, I think so i mean so so I love watching OOs. I guess I like watching all speeches, but <laughs> um, OOs, like they, I think like they're one of the most powerful events because like they often combine personal experiences with broader issues. Um, and I think like, uh, like Harris Hosseini um, is like an amazing speaker and he's like a freshman in college now, but like his national final round speeches and like those are really like wow and like you kind of learn from them and I think like those are the types of speeches that you kind of like remember throughout your life mm -hmm. and like when you're in a situation that fits with that speech you're like oh yeah I remember that speech and I think it changes you in that way so would you say Harris Asini's like his speech that he gave last year or the year before is there a specific speech that you can think of or just his speeches in general um so last year, his speech was on, um, like, oversimplification um, and how we tend to oversimplify things uh, and treat everything like, yes, there's a binary to it. Uh, but I think, so, like, when I am reading the news or whatever, like, I've had moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I remember, like, issues aren't as binary as they seem. And I think, like, I've definitely found myself oversimplifying issues um, like whether it's racism or like international news or whatever. Um, but I think like, I think Harris's speech like really encompasses that problem of, of oversimplification in our society. Um, and I think like it's, I've recalled to it. Hmm. Question number seven, what did you do with your rewards? <laughs> um, so they usually sit on a shelf for like a while and then after a few years... Where's the shelf? In my room. Okay. Um, but then, like, after a few years... Like, I, I think after my freshman year, 
I like put most of them in a box so though like pre-freshman year they're like in my garage <laughs> um but then I've like put the new sophomore and junior year ones up on the shelf too and clearing out some room for some senior <laughs> awards <laughs> maybe maybe um and I think like so there was a really like competitive competitor at my school a few years ago and she donated her trophies to like the speech and debate room and stuff so i might do that too are there a bunch of trophies in there already um yeah it's like it's like the major awards are in there um well you just took second place at the jack howe so you know (laughs) that's a pretty respectable award right there (laughs) all right question number eight what what speech skill do you most often use in your day-to-day life Ooh, interesting. Um, I think. So I talk a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, in impromptu and extemp, you kind of have to think on your feet. And I think having to do that in competitive speech just forces you to be a natural uh, speaker who thinks on their feet and knows how to, like, form words as you're, as you're kind of thinking, like mm-hmm. I'm doing right now. Um, so <laughs> I guess that's the skill I use the most. Okay. Question number nine. Why didn't you quit? Um, because I felt myself improving. Uh, and because I was getting better and because I was understanding important issues in the world in a more like nuanced way. And I was just being a more aware person and becoming a better speaker. And I felt that improvement every week and every month that I practiced. I kept going and I didn't quit. Oh, that's nice. That's a little, little poetic, man. Maybe you should start doing poetry. Uh, ah. right. <laughs> question number 10. Last question. What was the best advice you've received about a speech? Um, I think the best advice was... Um, okay, so... After my freshman year, I went to the Stanford National Forensics Institute, and mm-hmm. it was basically a summer program that um, like paired you with mentors who've done extent before and kind of like had this community of speech and debaters. Um, and I was told that the major hindrance to like my speech was my confidence in it. And like at that time, I was like, oh. That's some BS. And I was like, <laughs> like, I'm confident. Um, and then, like, throughout, like, in my sophomore year, I did really well. Um, and then junior year, I started realizing, like, that I actually was unconfident when I was talking. So, I mean, again, like, I started out in speech and debate really unconfident and not able to speak. But I think, like, as I got older, like, I kind of hid that. But I never really solved that confidence issue. So I, I think, like, that was the best advice that I never really took to heart. Until, you weren't ready for the advice? Yeah, I don't think I was ready. But I think that advice was very right. Um, and I think, like, as I became a better speaker and I kind of gained insight on that confidence issue, like, I could really start tackling, like, like the major hindrances like the reason why i kept messing up in like out rounds and stuff was because of that confidence issue and Mm -hmm. i think once i realized that and kind of realized that advice um i became a better speaker that's nice 
Yeah. All right. That's good advice. Well, hey, Patrick, thanks so much for coming in and talking thanks, to Robert. me. Thanks, <laughs> Robert. Do, uh, do you have an Instagram or anything like that, a Twitter where people can reach you? Yeah. Um, my Instagram is P-A-A-T-R-I-C-K-K-I-M. So Patrick Kim. Patrick Kim. Yes. <laughs> All right. And as for this show, if you want to reach out to us, you can, uh, you can do so. Our handle is uh, on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Forensic Podcast. So reach out to us there if you have any questions or concerns. Uh, anything you want to relay to Patrick, we're happy to pass the message along. You can also find us on Patreon uh, and help keep this podcast going. Hey, Patrick, thanks so much, man. It's been, uh, it's been great. It's been a little slice of heaven talking to you. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next round, keep talking. And as Patrick says, have confidence in your speech. I'm not an actress. Oh, you're acting now. Because if you're not somebody, must show you how you got the same